almost 40 years ago, I played uh, a church softball league. And listen, I love softball. Anything to do with the ball, I love. Couldn't have been as good with them, but anyway, I loved it anyhow. And I got in my truck one day, and I may have told you, but I'm going to tell you again anyway. Old people don't remember a whole lot, so I'm in that category now, so I can get by with it. But anyway, I was, got in my truck, and I, was, I had my bat, my ball, all my stuff in the, my truck. And in the town we lived in, and I went out and left my house, and I headed down, going up what they call, where I live, it's courthouse here, or the courthouse is over here, up a big hill, I topped that hill. <laughs> Didn't make it over it. I looked to my right, I seen some young people on the corners passing out love stories and other tracks. And I looked to my left and I seen young people out there. And God grabbed my heart. And he said, you're going to play ball? What really matters? What's really important? Listen, there's nothing wrong with ball. But I turned that truck around and went home. I told my wife, I said, give me some clothes, please. And she did. I loaded myself down with tracks and I headed for uptown. And I, when I hit that sidewalk, I knew right then I was in the center of God's will doing what I was doing. Softball is fine, but softball never got one person into heaven, not the first one. But as I was on that street corner, handing them out, and God spoke to my heart. Some things I wrestle with, and I want to give you a little bit of what I wrestle with in my answer that led me to where I am in Somerville, South Carolina tonight. I said, let me walk in the fields. He said, no, walk in the town. I said, there are no flowers there. He said, no flowers, but a crown. I said, but the sky is black. There's nothing but noise and din." But he wept as he led me back. There is more. There is sin. I said, but the air is thick and fog is veiling the sun. He answered, yet hearts are sick and souls in darkness undone. I said, I shall miss the light and my friends shall miss me, they say. He answered me, choose tonight if I am to miss you or they. I pleaded for time to be given. He said, is it hard to decide? It will not seem hard in heaven to have followed the steps of your guide. I cast one look at the field and set my face to the town. He said, my child, do you yield? Will you leave the flowers for a crown? Then into his hand went mine, and in my heart came he. And I walked a light divine, the path. I dreaded to see. So as a young man, almost 40 years ago, I said, God, I'll go wherever you say go. I'll do whatever you say do. Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter what. And through these 40 years, it's been up some mountains and down some valleys, over some hills and through the whole thing. My wife has stood by me, her and I together, going through all of this. And so God has sent us some places and we've seen some things in our time together. And that is what he's given me tonight to share with you. So if you have a Bible with you tonight, I'd, I'd ask you to turn to the book of First Samuel, please. For a few minutes tonight, the book of First Samuel, chapter number 18. First Samuel, 
chapter number 18. And uh, Brother Sam, I've got to get running room. I was told a long time ago I had a nervous problem. There was a lady come to a church where I was at, and she said, I'm never going to that church again. That man's got a nervous problem. She was right. I do. Never have gotten over it. And I don't want to ever get over it. God, don't let me get over that nervous problem. There was a time there were no tears in these eyes. And then one day God broke this old stony heart of mine and gave me a cloud. God, don't take my cloud away. What's the matter with a lot of folks today? They forgot. Listen, listen, these things are bottled up in heaven. I, I've been to a lot of men's door, Brother Sam, and I've knocked on their door, and they've come to that door hateful and whatnot. And listen, if you go and you're honest when you go, and you, you go with a tear in your eye because you care about their soul, listen, that old heart will melt away, and they'll, they'll ask you to come in, and you can share Jesus with them. They got to know we love them, and they got to know we're real. They don't want no hypocrite coming to that door. They get enough of that. They want to see something real. World's full of people that's not real. God help us to be real. You know, I don't want to be like oleo margarine. It's not real. Margarine is not butter. And I can't believe it's not butter. It's not butter. And the cow will look at you and say, that ain't butter. 1 Samuel chapter number 18. If you'll stand, please, in honor of reading of God's Word. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Look at verse number 1, if you would, please. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Verse 3, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Verse 4, And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe, that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Our Father, I ask for help. I can't do this. You have to. Father, please, please help me tonight. Encourage your people, challenge hearts. Reclaim those to yourself. Father, we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory, for it's in Jesus' name, for Jesus' sake. Yes, for Jesus' sake. Amen and amen. And by the way, let me, let me say this tonight. My pastor loves me. If you've ever had a pastor that didn't love you, you would appreciate a pastor that loves you. My pastor loves me. <laughs> you ever thought about that? You ever said that to yourself? My pastor loves me. What a thought. And I love my pastor. Jonathan and David, the Bible says their hearts were knit. Jonathan fell in love with David, and David fell in love with Jonathan. And in verse 4, you'll find out right there that Jonathan gave him his robe, everything down. He gave him everything. You see, Jonathan was heir to the throne. 
But listen, your robe signified your, your proper, your, your, your place, if you will, in society. And Jonathan gave David his royal robe, which says, Here, David, take it. I want you to be there. This is yours. Everything I have is here for you. Listen, they wasn't kin, but their hearts were knit by God. And Jonathan, God gave Jonathan an insight. So Jonathan said, Here, take this. This is yours. That's how much that Jonathan loved David. Everything you can have the kingdom is what he was saying. Now, I want you to jump over to chapter number 20, and I want you to look at two verses where we'll spring from. Chapter 20, and look at verse number 17. And Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Verse 18. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and thou shalt be missed because thy seat will be empty. I want you to look at that again. He said, Thou will be missed because thy seat will be empty. Tonight, for a few minutes, I want you to look with me, if you will. I know you was wondering, what in the world has he got all that paraphernalia up on that pulpit up there for? What is going on? I like to call this Daddy's Chair. Daddy's chair is usually big, got big arms on it. I know mine does at home, and it's wore out and wore down and whatnot, but usually Daddy's chair is big, and you can just sink down in Daddy's chair. A lot of times the kid would come home, and they'd jump up in Daddy's chair, and there they were. Daddy's chair symbolized what? When, when Daddy was home, everything is all right in the world, amen, when Daddy's home. When Daddy's not in his chair, everything don't seem right. But as long as daddy's in his chair, the world is okay. I can pretty much handle everything as long as I know daddy's in his chair. Like I told my wife one time, I, I said, listen, you don't, we don't have to say a word. Our chairs are not that far apart, but all I got to do is look over and she sits there. And that's all I need. Don't have to say nothing. Just knowing that they're there. But folks, there's something about... An empty chair. A little while ago, my friend was in this chair. But now it's empty. He's not there anymore. Jonathan said to David, he said, Listen, tomorrow's the new moon, and you're going to be missed because why? Thy seat's going to be empty. Let me say this. Last night, all over the land that we live in, there was a lot of daddy's chairs were empty. Now, there's some reasons for that. Reason number one. Daddy wasn't in his chair because daddy was out gallivanting, out going places he shouldn't have went, out doing things he shouldn't have been doing, and daddy was gone, and he wasn't home, and now our mama is back there, and she's crying, and there's babies at home, and they're crying. Why? Daddy's not home. Daddy's out doing things daddy shouldn't be doing. Amen? Daddy's chair is empty. Listen, even the old hound dog knows if daddy ain't right. Amen? Daddy walks home, get out of my way. No wonder the dog runs when he comes in. Daddy's chair is empty. Why? Daddy's been out in a night of sin, and mama's there waiting, and the kids are waiting, and daddy comes home still all tanked up, and listen, and he beats the kids, and he beats the wife. I know that for a fact. I've been through it. Let me say this. I, have, I am a step child. Amen. I have a place in my heart 
for stepchildren. If you're, let me, let me say this tonight, and I'll say it emphatically, and never back up one inch. If there's somebody wanting to marry you, and you got children, and they got children, and they're not willing to take their children, or your children as their children, you run from them. You run from them. Listen, if somebody's going to come in and they want me and they don't want my kids, I don't want you because you ain't going to be good to them. Amen? I've had people come to me and say, would you marry me and come to find out there's children involved? We have to have serious talk. I've been beat, I've been hit, I've been kicked, I've been stomped because I was a stepkid. Listen. Stepkids matter. And their hearts matter. And you can break them and step on them real easy. A lot of daddies came home. A lot of men came home to a chair. And the stepkids run. And his kids run. Why? They don't want to get beat. They don't want to see mama get beat anymore. They would to God that he wouldn't even come home. And they wouldn't have to face that. But there's some chairs, daddy's chairs that are empty because daddy's not there anymore because daddy took his last breath. He's gone away. And we hope to heaven. You see, when daddy's not there and you look at his chair and you wonder, his daddy in heaven. Listen to me tonight, daddies. Every daddy under the sound of my voice, you owe it to your child. You owe it to your wife. Whenever they look in your face without a shadow of a doubt, they'll know that you're going to heaven. And whenever you, if you drop dead tonight in this church, they'll know that you're in heaven. Don't leave them guessing. Good night. Don't tell me you love me and make me stand there and wonder, where's he at? Where's he at? Where's he at? You owe it to your children. Whenever they look at you and they can say, my daddy's in heaven. I was six months old. My daddy was run over by a train in Swannanoa, North Carolina, not far from where the men's going for the men's conference. I could walk right down and show you the spot. My daddy died with liquor on his breath. I go to my daddy's graveside in Black Mountain, North Carolina, often every time we were up there. And I look down at my daddy's tombstone, Edward H. Price. And I say, Daddy, where are you? I don't know! And listen, it'll hone and it'll hone and it'll hone. Don't you do that to your kids. You look at them and you say, listen, if something happens to me tonight, I'll see you in heaven. Make them a promise. There's an empty chair tonight with Daddy that's going to heaven. And he's expecting to meet you there. I like to call this mama's chair. How many of us were in a chair like this and rocked? Whenever there was a fevered brow. And mama would rock us. In the middle of the night we'd get up and mama would rock us. And rock us. This is mama's chair. Mama's chair is empty. Why? 
for the same reasons that chair is empty. There's a lot of mom. You know, it used to be only daddies went out and did stupid things. But in the day and time we live in, mamas go out and do stupid things. And they leave the children off. And they wonder, where's mama? You know, mama's bad enough that a child will look up and say, where's daddy? But there's just something about mama that daddies can't fill that void. There's something about mama that whenever a child comes in, I remember I used to run to my mama when she had let me when I was a little fella. And, uh, you know, I'd look for refuge. Why? Mama's voice was soothing. It was calming. But there's a lot of mamas right now for one reason or another. They're gone. They're not there anymore for that little boy and that little girl to run and get comfort from mama in mama's chair. Why? Mama's more interested in a needle. Mama's more interested in snorting something up her nose than to be home with a little baby that she went to the jaws of death to give life to. And now she's out throwing her life away. Happened in Somerville last night. Folks, we can't afford to let mamas get gone. We owe it to our young people to go after mamas. Amen? There's a lot of mamas that's not here because they're in heaven. Their chair is empty. And they're missed. If your mama's in heaven, they're missed. I remember in Greenville, North, uh, Greenville, South Carolina, I got a telephone call and I told my wife, I said, we got to go to St. Francis. I said, mother's on her last leg. We went to St. Francis and sure enough, my mother was in there laying in bed, gasping for breath. I called my sisters. I said, listen, if y'all want to see Mother alive, you better get to Greenville. And they did. She lasted about another four days, long enough for everybody to get there and talk to them. It was funny. My mother could sing. She could play piano by ear. I used to play piano by ear, but it got to hurt and I quit. (laughs) So if you can, more power to you. But my mother could play. And she could sing, and she had the breath of, of an air balloon. The minute she quit singing, emphysema got her again, and she couldn't, that stupid machine. Finally, my mother raised up in bed, and she said, I'm tired of fighting, I'm tired of this. She laid down and went to heaven. I did my mother's funeral. Nine of us, I got five sisters and three brothers. We set out nine chairs in the funeral home. And this chair over here, It's empty. My little brother's chair is empty. Young folks, listen to me now. This old man been around pot a time or two. You need to listen to me. My little brother was 12 years old when he ran in a liquor store, grabbed two gallons of liquor, and ran out the other door. He was 12 years old whenever he called my mother. He said, Mother, you need to call the police. He said, There's a woman here, and she's dead. She said, Bo, how do you know that she's dead? He said, She's black and blue, and she ain't breathing, and she's cold. 12 years old. My brother is in South Florida, Sam, spending life in prison. 
He's been in prison and in jail since he was 12 years old. In and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. Why? Because nobody, nobody ever took him and said, I love you, I love you, I love you, and would show him the way. The only thing anybody would do would tell him how sorry he was and how rotten he was. He didn't have a Sam Knight to come over and put his arm around him and say, listen, Bo, if, if, listen, I'll help you do this. And help. You have no idea how lucky you are, young people. The devil is out right there and you think he won't get you. Boy, you better, you better mind your P's and Q's. It don't take that quick and you're God. Sam Knight ain't lying to you when he's telling you, I've been inside the prisons. I've been in there where they're at. My oldest brother spent three years in Rayford State Prison in Florida. Listen, it's out there. And now at my mother's funeral, they wouldn't let him come home. He's serving life. They ain't about to let him out. And his seat was empty and he was missed. Matter of fact, I pulled up his record on the internet the other day in Florida prison system and looked at him. I showed my wife. I said, that, that's, my that's my little brother. He's 45 now. His release date's about... 2080, he'll die there. His chair is empty. I like to call this chair the little people's chair. Thank God for little people, amen? I am fascinated with little people chairs. I love to hear little people talk. Don't you? I like it when I stand outside the door and I can hear them going down the sidewalk and they're just talking and yakking and, and, and they're talking and little people talk. <laughs> Sound like a bunch of munchkins running up through there. And I say, thank God for little people. Amen? Thank God for little people. But little people's chairs get empty by abuse in a home that it shouldn't be. And our land is full of people that's Hurting little people when we ought to be loving them and caring for them and, and taking time with them. And all over our land, all over Somerville, little people's chairs are empty because they've been hurt and they've been abused. When my daughter was a little people, <laughs> we lived in Perry, Georgia. She was just a little fella. She was about 18 months old. That's before we had to wear seatbelts. And she would stand by, we'd drive, she'd stand by me, right behind my arm, right behind my shoulder. I was her seatbelt. We'd be riding, and she'd have her arm around me. She'd reach over every now and then, and she'd kiss me on the cheek. She'd say, Daddy, I love you. <laughs> Turn me loose. We'd be riding down a little bit, and she'd say, Daddy, 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 Daddy. I wouldn't answer, and she'd say, Daddy, Daddy. Neil! <laughs> and I would say, yes, Tina. She'd pull me around, she'd kiss me, and she'd say, I love you. We went to a little old drive-in car hop thing one time. Me and Diane was drinking a milkshake. I got her one and had a long straw, and she pulled and pulled and pulled, and that poor little old jaw just pulling, and she never could get none. Finally, I looked at Diane and said, I'm going to end this right now. I took that straw, snapped that thing in half, put it down there, gave it to her. She got a taste of that, and she could have pulled it 10 foot. 
When she got a taste of that vanilla milkshake, that's all it took. You never had to worry about her getting none no more. She took a drink. She looked over and smacked that mouth, you know, vanilla all over. She said, I love you. When she was 29, I bought a van. We took her one night, bought her some little chairs for her to carry her kids with. We stopped at the store, went in. She got a Dr. Pepper. She said, Daddy, she looked at me. She said, Daddy, I don't have any money. I said, you're with Daddy. You don't need any money. <laughs> she kissed me on the cheek, and she said, I love you. That's the last night I ever saw my little girl. Three days later, she's laying in the morgue. Her seat was empty, and she was missed. That was almost 19 years ago, and it's like it was yesterday. Her seat is empty. Listen, it doesn't matter if there are three or if they're 50, they're our children, and they're missed. This is a special chair, the baby's chair. This is where they sit, and they make a total nuisance of their self. Oh, you give them stuff, and they have learned. Children have perfected this move. And the bowl goes. <laughs> and everything that's in it. And somehow God has pushed the, the humor button and they look at it and they say, ah! <laughs> I see no humor in that. But they do. So you get it a little more and you put it in the bowl and they learn to watch. And you turn your head and it's. You do that again and you won't get no more. They know I'm lying. <laughs> and I give them some more and the next thing you know, it's all over their face. And then they, they have a way of taking the bowl and putting it on their head. And all that's in the bowl runs down. And they think it's so pretty. Like, look at me, my hairdo. I have spaghetti all over me. And then you give them, they used to have, I don't know if they still got it or not, teething toast. Gerber used to have it, I think, you know. And, uh. Now I understand why they chew it. Anyway, you know, and it's so hard, you know, and, and you give it to them, and they just, nom, 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 and they love it. They numb, 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 numb. But tonight, there's a lot of baby chairs that have no babies. For one thing, they've been killed before they ever got there. How sad. And there's been a lot of them that have been abused. Yeah, little babies. Can you believe that in the day and time we live in? What's wrong with the society we've got today? But they're missed because that chair is empty. There's no baby there anymore. That baby's in heaven with Jesus. Amen? Don't try to tell me otherwise. You'll never convince me. I've gone to seed on that thing. Them babies are with Jesus. I've got some um, family that never made it to that part. I got some family in California that never made it to that part. 
and I'm sure that you have too. Daddy's seat, you'll be missed. For Jonathan said, David, you'll be missed because why? Your seat is empty. When you look across the table today, and who used to sit there is not there. And listen, they don't have to be dead. They can be in college. And your seat is empty. You're way up there. But mom and dad is here. And mom and dad look at that seat. Tell you what goes through their head. From the time they brought you home, smiling and kicking and to everything that you ever did through that mind, through that mind, through that mind. And you're missed because your seat is empty. Listen to me tonight, young people. You're missed when your seat is empty. There's another seat we need to think about real quick tonight is this seat of a pew. You know, when you have a church and you're the pastor, you kind of learn where people sit. You can't hide from him. He knows where you sit. I mean, he can come up here. I'm saying this by experience. He can come up here. He'll take one look. He pretty much knows who's not here. Ah, he don't know whether I'm here or not. Yes, he does. He didn't know I wasn't there Sunday. Yes, he did. What did I tell you earlier? Your pastor loves you. And he knows. And listen, he carries that home with him. And in the wee hours of the morning, he's up. And he's talking to the Father for you. Why? Your seat was in. Now, we don't know why your seat's empty, so don't start speculating. Well, they're just laying out. No, you don't know if they're just laying out. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Just say, Lord, listen, if there's something providential, help them out. Bless them, God. Go, whatever they're going through, be there with them. Good night. Don't throw them under the bus when you don't know nothing about it. Amen? But your seat's empty. When you're off teaching... The little fellas, younger fellas, small fellas. Hey, they're babies to me. I'm an old man. I mean, I can do that. You're missed. We look over at that corner because you sit there. And so does your precious wife. And I look over there and I don't see you. I love you, Sam Knight. And I look over there and that seat's not there. You're not there. Listen, folks, you know who sits around you. And when that seat's empty, you need to go to God on their behalf because you don't know why. But you need to go to the Father and go to Him quick because you don't know what they may be going through or whatever reason it is. Lastly, and I'll finish with this. <laughs> you remember way back there? Oh, of course you do. I got confidence in you. You read your Bible. You know what I'm talking about. If you don't, I'm going to tell you. Way back there, right as after Jesus ascended, the Bible says in the book of Mark chapter 16, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat 
on the right hand of God. I want you to notice that it says he sat on the right hand of God. Book of Hebrews chapter number 5, let me give you the first recorded words that Jesus spoke. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. That's what Jesus said before he ever got here. You see, he said, Sacrifices and offerings thou wouldest not. He said, But a body you have prepared me. God prepared a body for the Son to go into. Now, that's Christmas. We done been by there. We're told in Psalms 110, Verse 1, God said to Jesus, sit on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now, why did I say that? So that I could say this. Our salvation was thought up before the foundation of the world. Amen? Way back yonder, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit got together, had a holy powwow and decided that I needed a Savior. They looked way down through yonder and said, uh-huh, we're going to do something. So, how are we going to fix this? Now, listen, y'all let me just run wild with this thing. And so they're, they're up there talking. Listen, if I could have been there, I would have, but I'm kind of eavesdropping on the conversation. And the conversation is going something similar like this. Well, what are we going to do? How are we going to fix this problem we got down there? If you've ever been in a board meeting, it goes something like that. Well, what is the problem? Well, this is the problem. They're sinners, and they're going to go to hell if somebody don't do something. Well, how are we going to fix that? Well, the penalty's already there, God. You've already said the soul that sinned is going to die. Can't change that. God's not going to go back and change his word for nobody. Amen. And so they had to come up with a plan. The plan was that there had to be a sacrifice. Amen. And it had to be blood. Amen. Don't bring me no taters and think you're going to get by. Ain't that what in the first, ain't that what happened? What Abel bring? First fruits of the ground, beans and taters, didn't work. Had to be blood. And so there was a holy communion there and there was an agreement. And the Father has already said there's got to be justice. And this is what I require. How are we going to get that done? And the son kind of said, I'll go. I'll go. There's a lot of things happen that night at Bethlehem that we're never told about a lot of times. When that angel told Mary, he said, that holy thing that's going to be in you is going to be conceived by the Holy Ghost. And the minute that she was conceived, listen, there's something happened. There was a seat that became empty. That seat is where Jesus sat down, where he got up and left heaven's glory and came down. Amen? Don't think it just happened. Now, heaven is missing something that it's never missed. He's always been there forever and ever and ever way back there up until that time that he came down and God planted him inside Mary. And now heaven's missing something. Heaven's missing the crown jewel. Heaven's missing its very best. Why? Because Jesus said, I'll go. Can you imagine that? God the Father sitting on the throne 
and where the sun sits and he's not there never happened before, never happened. That's why it says when he went back to heaven, he sat back down on the right hand of the Father. Why? He got up and left and he did it for you and he did it for me. Oh, and people just shun it and throw throw it up in the wind just like Sam talked about this morning. Sam, I thought about that. I'm glad you didn't say .com this morning. I'm glad you went with a slash. I thought about that slash all day. And I thought about where am I in that slash. Listen, if you didn't hear that this morning, you need to get, you need to get a, the CD, whatever it is we do, and listen to it. You think you're going to be here for a long time, but listen, your number may be up right now. Nine years ago, listen, I thought I was invincible. Young people do that. You'd never convince me I was in trouble. Almost nine years ago, I went in for a stress test, and the lady looked at me, and I thought, what's the problem? I said, you don't have a real good poker face. What is it? She called the doctor in, and the doctor said, you ever had a heart attack? I said, no, sir. What, is it? what do they feel like? I mean, if you've had one, tell me. I've never I've had one. Anyway, they sent me for, uh, to get some stents put in in Asheville Mission Hospital. I thought I was doing fine. I went in. They got me all doped up. Man, that stuff makes you don't care. You really don't. And you say stupid stuff. You really do. I mean, don't poke the bear, you know. <laughs> My wife would say something, and I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> She didn't think it was real funny. I did. She didn't see the humor in it. I did. There's a lady coming at me with some kind of clippers. I thought, hey, I got a mohawk when I was a kid. Young people, don't do that. I got one when I was a teenager. I had the first mohawk in western North Carolina, I have you know. And whenever I was young, they had this thing called madras pants. They'd come back. They bleed when you put them in water. They really do. Anyway, I went to school. I had that mohawk down through there, and that thing was nice. And I had them pants on. I was cool dude all over it. I was in the ninth grade and knowed everything. I was walking around, man, I was strutting my stuff. I had the mohawk on because our school was, was the old Fort Indians, and I was an Indian. Man, I was walking around on that campus. You know, I had that thing. I was cool. Everybody said, oh, did you see Neil's haircut? Yeah, ain't that cool? Yeah. Principal called me in. He said, boy, they called you boy back then. They could get by with it. And he had a big paddle. He said, I said, you better... Don't you bring that paddle out. I said, is that paddle chocolate? He said, why? I said, because you're going to eat it. And he looked at me. He said, you're expelled. So he kicked me out of school for two weeks. Next thing I know, I'm out of school permanent because I knowed everything. That mohawk didn't get me nothing but in serious trouble. And so that's what that thing made me think of. Down, back to where I was at. I was in the hospital, and that nurse looked down at me, and, and you know, and I started getting the, glassy-eyed, and uh, I thought, I don't know what that is, but get a bottle of it, take home. And so, I mean, I got to liking it there for a few minutes. You got to be careful with that stuff. You know, first thing you know, you're out on the corner down here. Y'all got any of that stuff that makes you go? And they probably, so be careful. And uh, anyway, my wife, I have to tell you the story now because I, 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 I blacked out. So if it's a lie, she told it. But anyway, she told me this is what happened. She's telling the story. And she was telling me that all, everybody's in the waiting room in there. 
and the doctors or somebody comes down and told my wife, said, he's dying, we've got to go in. Nobody told me. Nobody asked me anything. The only thing I know, I woke up in ICU. I had a needle in my neck big enough for a horse. I know that thing was that big around. I had something wrong with my chest. And come to find out my chest had been split open like he'd been hit with a double-bitted axe. And they had took my heart out and played with it. That's what's the matter with me now. They, they'd done something to it whenever they took it out. Uh, <laughs> they didn't put it back right. I don't know if they put it upside down or whatnot. But anyway, they took it out, played with it a little while, you know. And uh, she said they put it back. But anyway, she was telling me that when I was coming out of, supposed to be out of recovery, I do remember somebody had a hold of this arm, and I think I threw them well yonder, because I remember I said, don't hold me down. And I was intent on murder. I'm serious. So anyway, I think she got up there and, and worked on me a little bit. And what was it, 15 minutes or so, I finally come to the realization. And I, anyway, I looked at her, and I said, I've been a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> she said, yeah, you have. Nine years ago, I was supposed to have died. But God saw fit and saw something. I thank God looked down in St. Somerville, South Carolina, in Miles Road Baptist Church. And a pastor that would love a little mountain boy. All that because Jesus' seat was empty. And he left heaven's glory and came down for me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, have you ever thought about that? How much? 